0: Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelancing.com.
1: You belong here. Here's today's message.
0: Yes, that's what we say yes to. Good morning, everybody. My name is Jerome. It's good to see you today. We're continuing the Connect series. Last week, we kicked it off, and we talked about how connection with God and each other is what we're hardwired for. It's how he made us. And last week's sermon was titled, Live Naked and Unashamed, because before the fall and the impacts of sin, we were naked and unashamed with God, fully known, fully seen. And then Jesus steps into our lives, forgives us when we put our faith in him, cleans us whiter than snow like the song said, and we now can be living a life with God and people figuratively naked and unashamed. Well, I guess some people could take it literally. And I did quote last week where Pete Scazzaro teaches in one of his marriage... uh, uh, workshops that there's a practice if you're married that you have a conversation and it's called skin to skin. And skin to skin means there's no clothes and you're just with no other intention. You're just having a conversation for 20 minutes that may or may not lead somewhere else. And you are there fully known, fully seen because we want to have that Eden delight experience and that the effects of the the, the darkness, it should be no more, and marriage is a great place for that to take place. You don't have to be married. It's not like the ranking. You can be married to Christ, you can be married literally, and da, da, da You get it, but here's where I had a combo with one of our kids from last week's sermon. Hey, Dad, do you and Mom do that thing skin to skin? Take out the trash, boy. <laughs> Look, we're hardwired for connection. With God and people, connection is a relationship in which a person or thing or idea is linked or associated with someone else or something else. Brene Brown describes connection as follows, it is the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. When our connection with people is flowing in a positive state, our mental health boosts. We have a longer lifespan and improved quality of life. Now, disconnection from God is the greatest separation we will ever experience. Again, just Kappen from last week. Connection with God is the greatest connection we will ever experience. Today is titled, Let's Connect Past the Surface with Deep Discipleship the circle of life. Let's connect past the surface with deep discipleship, the circle of life. You know, when we go about our day-to-day, maybe someone will open the door for you and you say thank you and you're welcome or when you go to get coffee or food, how's your day going? What do you say? Good. How's your day going? Good. Next person comes up. How's your day going? Good. How's your day going? Next person comes up. How's your day going? How's your day going? I just find myself at times, maybe it's a, like a crude joke, I'll, I'll say things that don't even make sense. Because we are so accustomed to surface level conversation. And in some ways, you can't unpack your life at the checkout counter But it has conditioned us to cope in a way that we just go through the motions. And mundane isn't meant to be boring. It should be beautiful. There's beauty in the mundane, but I don't think God's wired us to just connect at a surface level when we think of discipleship. We don't want shallow or hollow discipleship. And I think we can all admit that surface level conversation is just boring. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, very popular commandment from Jesus and mandate in the the Great Commission is penned here. Look at it in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, this is post-resurrection, here's Jesus having all authority, and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Disciples being learners, all nations being people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So as you're going, make disciples. What type of disciples? Well, people that you're teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, here's a promise. I am with you always to the end of the age. Be in oneness with God And connected with God is beautiful. And being a disciple in Jesus, learning what he's taught us, we all long, if we're followers of Jesus, to make disciples, because we want to fulfill what Jesus has told us what to go do. And we know that any of his commands aren't to lead us to death, they're to lead us to life. So if he there says, go make disciples, we then therefore should go make disciples, there's much more conversation of how we unpack, how does discipleship methodology flow into our day-to-day, but there's a tool that we found to be super helpful in making disciples. And as disciples, living naked and unashamed with God, we want all of our lives to be centered on, uh, around him. He's the center of our life. If Jesus isn't Lord of everything, he's Lord of nothing, and if he's Lord of everything, then our life is properly in harmony. And you sometimes think as our life it's compartmentalized in boxes. But we know that you don't show up in a box. You carry everything that's going on in your life with you whether you want to admit it or not. We're all giving off energy, we all have certain levels of trauma, capital T, lowercase t, things that impact us in our discipleship journey so in some ways it's gonna be uh, different for each one of us. There's gonna be a level of grading on a curve. Jesus discipled Peter differently than he discipled John, and he discipled Thomas differently. You see throughout the New Testament that even how Paul and Barnabas interact with John Mark, they have a sharp disagreement about the mission and the discipleship strategy about that individual for that particular moment. So there's almost like a both-and discipleship, the way it plays out in our day-to-day, but we know that discipleship is the way. Jesus, being in Jesus, like Jesus, connected with Jesus, Jesus is the center of our lives, but the journey of it all, as he's the center of our lives, well, there's a lot more to our life than just a Sunday, if we're honest. An hour of power on a Sunday cannot holistically disciple us. So then how do we form our lives in a way that we can be discipled? And I think we get so accustomed to where I'm going to be discipled so I need another church service. Lies. No, everywhere we go, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So how do we not see separation but connection in every area of our life holistically as disciples? Now, there was a 10-year period where we were doing evangelistic work very strong, meaning it was the core emphasis of our life, going out and preaching the gospel through rap concerts and then launching discipleship initiatives called Get Rooted at local churches and the 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 premise was: so you have the gospel shared, people respond. Then we try to get them connected with small group leaders to to begin the discipleship process in the local church. And then, as we would come back to that city the next year, we would see many times all new faces. Now, there's probably a whole drop down of list of reasons why. You know, change over on staff. Um, the the, the seed didn't take root, bad choices by the individual, and you could just name it, name it, name it. But I think in some level, what, what we begin to find was discipleship was put in a box for church and Bible alone, and then we don't realize some of the resistance that we have in other areas of our life, so we created a tool called the circle of life. Look at this circle of life. Me and you, even though we're in church here on the left side when you look at it, There is way more to us in church, way more. And in our lives, there's always these connections that are either taking us closer to God or further away, but they're all shaping and informing our view of God. So this is just a helpful tool that we found. It's not the tool for discipleship. It's a tool for connection because today we want to connect past the surface for deep discipleship. So how do we do that? We would submit the circle of life will begin to uh, give us a, a tool, a power tool, if you will, to cut the wood. Now picture us in the center, if me and you, if we're doing discipleship, we want to grow in Jesus. If you and me are in the center, we're at the table, and if I'm only talking to you about what's going on in church, maybe the biggest roadblock to your view of God or influencing your view of God, either taking you closer to him or further away from him, is your family. So if I don't know what's going on there at some level, how can I make an impact? What about your friends? You know, you could have like two lives. Like you got your church friends and then you got your world friends. (laughs) But if you're spending 90% out there, then whoa, we're never gonna see the traction. We're never gonna see the momentum we long for. What's going on at work? What do you like to do for play? What's your personal Jesus time or devotion look like? Do You have a Bible, don't you? Do you find the Bible to be daunting? Which version? Which translation? Where do we start? There's a beautiful relationship in scripture that has been kind of the bed for this uh, this tool, Circle of Life, and it's Paul and Timothy. And we're gonna look at several passages of how, how Paul speaks to Timothy. Paul, a little bit about him real quick, is Paul was Saul who was a part of persecuting the church so much so that he was overseeing the, the death of the first martyr being Stephen. And as a high officer, even the cloaks were put at Paul, Saul's feet as a, a sign that, hey, it's the, the, the task has been done. And he thought he was defending the God of Israel, that this new way, this new Jesus people was, was wrong. Now, he didn't know that he was not living right. He thought he was probably executing this command in the right way, and not only in uh, the, the, the national order of to, to follow the regime of the army, but also of then that day, but also then to say, hey, the God of Israel that he's known and he's trained and been learned and studied from. So then he fast forward, he has this moment where he's on the road and, and, and gets blinded by the light and it's Jesus and he's like, who is this? I'm the one you're persecuting. It's me, Jesus. And he has this crazy life change, goes away for a few years, then gets renamed as we know him, Paul, and he then goes and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that he used to kill people for, that now he then is preaching. So as a leader, he knows what shame and mistake could feel like and what a new life and a new conversion could feel like, and he also knows what it's like to train people up, because now he's... He's being used as an apostle and planting churches, preaching the gospel, and then wanting to see order take place. And in the couple letters that he writes to Timothy, that first and second Timothy, they're, they're letters of leadership to a young church leader. And when we say young, Timothy was still 30, so it wasn't necessarily as young as we would think. But here's Paul intimately communicating to a leader, and let's see how he communicates to him in the first letter. First Timothy, 1 verse 2, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at how the CSB puts it, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul looks at Timothy As a son, as a child, as he's a spiritual father, this is big. Because here's Paul, not married, not with children, but understanding that the family of God and the children that he's allowed to impart in, disciple, with Jesus as the chief shepherd, he's imparting from a context that we are family, father, son. And when you look it up in Greek, it means that. There's debate if it's literal, if he's seeing this as literally his child now. Now, it's not biological child. But this paints a picture for how rich discipleship is. And then look at uh, Philippians chapter 2, 19 through 23, that there's nobody like Timothy that Paul has. Now, now, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you, for I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests and not of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with the father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. Another passage going back to 1 Timothy chapter four, verse 12. Don't let anyone despise your youth. But set an example for believer, the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Practice these things. Be committed to them. This one's weighty. We use this for all the ministers in training over the years here and because in some way we're all getting to watch all of our progress and very specifically the ministers in training so that your progress may be evident to all. Paul cares for Timothy as a son. Paul invests in Timothy as a disciple and Paul has spent time with Timothy and has deep connections. It's past the surface. Well, how do we know that? Well, look at how he champions or even affirms him. Paul discipled Timothy way past the surface. He saw him as a son. He invested in him as teaching. He helped correct and lead. Now we go back to the circle of life. To look at our circle of life, each one of us are impacted by our upbringing our, our family story our past but even present impacted by our past friends but even our present work and play past and present devotion what is our view of god what is our view of jesus what does our personal devotion look like is jesus warped in with all kind of a new thought is he exclusive in that setting Or is he kind of one of the prophets? And then church. How do we view church? What is our church experience like? And many times, when people talk about God, because of one of these areas, they're more talking about what their family believed in God, what their friends believe in God, what's going on at work or their own play, their own personal experience at church and devotion and not making that change for themselves. Every connection we have in our lives is taking us further away or closer to God. Every connection we have in our lives is taking us further away or closer to God. That's the next slide. For those taking a note, you can always take pictures of this too. So my aim here today, would, if, if we think of our lives as, as a circle, not fractal, fractal or in boxes or separate, and start to see our life in harmony. Maybe you've heard uh, balance. Balance is the key to life. And I think our intention there as well, but how long could I stay like this? You'll never be in full balance. Andy Stanley, he says it this way, that life is not a balance to be achieved, but it's a tension to, uh, to be mastered or a tension to be... Can't remember the exact phrase. that I have to look at my notes, but it's just attention to be leaned in. We can't have a life of balance. And I, 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 I maybe today I would submit a step further. How do we be in harmony? That all of our life is God-centered. All of our life is holistic discipleship. All of our life, we're properly seeing that, that what's happening. Am I a thermostat or I'm just a thermometer in the room? Am I just going with the flow? You know, we've used this example before, but there's that story where you know, the family cuts off both ends of the ham and puts it in the pan, and then the granddaughter says to the mom, uh, why do we cut off both ends of the pan? I don't know, grandma did it that way, and then finally goes and asks grandma, why do we cut off both ends of the ham? And she goes, well, because my mom did it that way, and then great-grandma's still alive, and finally get to great-grandma. Why do we cut off both ends of the ham And before we put it in the pan? And she goes, well, I had a small pan. That's the only reason why. <laughs> we kind of just take things that face value and And maybe today would be more about less barriers but harmony, to have intentional connection for God in every area of life. I want to give us four L's that, that can help us live the discipleship circle of life past the surface. This is a tool we use in our team, and this is something we train in every meeting that we're in. And number one, the first L is love. Nobody cares how much you know till they know how much you care. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, and when I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we only see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. But I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. When we're with God, for all of eternity, and now look at verse 13. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. One of the mistakes that I make many times, and I think we all can make this, is we show up to any type of setting, and we assume that we're remembering God's love for us and God's love for the person. We kind of move to, okay, what's next? Let's get tactical, let's get practical, let's get down business. Let's open up some information. Let's chop up the word. Getting to brag on my wife. She won't break down the text in really robust ways. She's not going to tell you Aramaic and Hebrew in Greek, and she's not going to cite every address in the Bible, though she is a student and a learner, and she loves the scriptures, and, but I will tell you this, I've learned more about Jesus because of her loving presence in any setting she is in. She is loving, face value, loving people, loving you. Now, the highest example is Jesus. He is the definition of love. I love you. God loves me. God loves you. Love. It's not ethereal, real love. Not just mystic. Real love that's present. Steadfast love of God. To show up to any setting for discipleship connection, to love people. To love people. Stephen Covey talks about seeking to understand first, not to be understood. How is that possible? I was thinking about that this week. How is that possible to want to sit down with somebody and let me seek to understand your viewpoint? How? If we remember that God understands us all the time. So if we show up already whole, remembering what what we are in Jesus as sons and daughters, heirs, and there will be times when we genuinely need to be understood And we're yelling, mayday, 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 mayday. But in the context of connection, to live past the surface for deep discipleship, using the circle of life, we want to show up at the table in connection with people as people that knowing that we're loved to love. So therefore, then we can send, I want to understand, tell me more, I'm centered. Which isn't easy, but it's the way. God understands us. You've heard sympathy versus empathy. Sympathy, seeing and caring about a situation, like "oh, it grieves me" or "it pains me to see this," and then I move on. Empathy takes it a step further. And for those that maybe on the the the, if it was a spectrum, if you're more empathetic, this could bog you down. So I want to give the the disclaimer there that if you find yourself in an over-empathetic state all the time, well, you need some boundaries in life. We need boundaries in life. We all do. But empathy, when we think of compassion in light of Jesus, it's about entering in. Sympathy is just kind of like watching and caring. Empathy is entering in. Love enters in. I was with a good friend this week, and they said to me, there's a... A clip from Simon Sinek, and we were talking, we, Simon Sinek isn't even a follower of Jesus, but said such a, a, a profound example of what following Jesus in connection with people looks like. It is, is says, uh, being a friend is, is, is when you see somebody in the mud, and you want to get them out of the mud, and you want to just solve the situation quick, empathy or being a good friend is like sitting in the mud with them and saying nothing, just here. For everybody that wants to control or fix, and this isn't always true, but in marriage, you know, the guy wants to fix, the, the woman wants to be heard, and I'm obviously stereotyping, there, there's exceptions to that, but there's this video online where the, the girl's got a nail in her head, and, and she just keeps telling her, her husband that her head hurts, and he's like, take out the nail, and she just doubles down and says, you're not hearing me, my head hurts, and this, 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 and take out the nail, and finally at the end, you know, I love you. And she's like, thanks for listening, you know? And but isn't that true? doesn't matter. And that's it's it's just a it's a like a whack little stereotype to use. But isn't it true for each one of us? Do you want someone to just tell you always what to do, or do you want them to understand you first? Do you want them to just tell you, why are you in the mud? How'd you get here? What's that? You know, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. It's just real talk. Real talk. And we're always going to have shallow level discipleship and hollow discipleship, or we'll find ourselves in an echo chamber with people that are just like us. Following Jesus, Jesus followers dealt with these same type of tensions. And I love, I referenced it earlier, but I love the Paul Barnabas moment over John Mark. They had a sharp disagreement. It was like one was probably more relational focused in that moment, Barnabas being uh, John Mark's cousin. I'll hang out with him, and then Paul says that we don't want him on the next mission because he let us down last time. I relate more here often, and I've had to work on being more gentle and always show up to the table with love, love. Any meeting I go to, I try to stop and pause, say, God, will you give me your uh, view of love for me and then this person before I walk in? And when I don't, I see the effects of it many times. Catastrophic body parts, people looking at you, you, you let out the intensity, and even in this time, some people are like, "Man, this guy, you know, even his words per minute, he's just intense or whatever." Yeah, I'm probably not going to be everyone's cup of tea at times. Just like you won't. And that's the beauty of the body is we're connected. We want deep discipleship and empathy and love helps us set the table to have a circle of life alive for deep discipleship. With Jesus, the second L. Y'all still with me? Clap once. Y'all still with me? Clap twice. There we go. We got to listen. It's the second L. Listen. Listen. We're going to seek to understand. We listen. James puts it this way in chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak flow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Now, we know you can be angry and yet sin not. Anger is a real emotion we will feel as humans. But if we pause and stop and listen to somebody, and then a tool for this listening component is make questions your profession. There's two types of people. Someone that says, look, here I am. And the other type is, there you are. Are we I-centered disciple makers or you-centered disciple makers? And obviously God-centered. Hopefully you get the point and the nuance of it. It's not about us. It's about the person we're trying to impact in our circle of life. God's given us two ears and one mouth, and we make questions our profession, closed-ended questions, open-ended questions. We're active listeners. We're not just silent, but we're knowing when to interject. There's tone, there's verbal, there's nonverbal. There's a famous professor, Albert Morabian, who came up with the 738-55 rule. This is gonna humble talkers real quick. Lean into this. The rule states that 7% of meaningful communication is spoken word. 38% is through tone of voice. 55% through body language. Remember, I was with my pastor in a meeting at Okemos Starbucks. And it was cold in there. And I, I naturally have kind of an aggressive demeanor to begin with. Maybe it's rap, personality, all that. But I, it's something I'm aware of. But in that particular day, it was really exposed because it was cold and I had my arms like this. And when we got out of the meeting, my pastor goes, why were your arms crossed the whole time? You looked so, uh, like, you weren't welcoming. Because the meeting was already a little, uh, not controversial, but the meeting was a, a pretty weighty topic. I said, dang it, was I, that was what I was communicating? He's was like, yeah. So I try, I'll stop in meetings every once in a while. I learned if you open up your chest or whatever, you give a welcoming energy and be like, hi. <laughs> Is your back good? Yeah, no, I'm here for you. <laughs> you know? Because there's been so many times. I, you talk, you just get going. And unless that's someone's even communication or even how they receive information, but, but the science teaches us that 7% of what we say is what's communication. 38 is in tone, and then 55 is in body language. So as we're in the circle of life, and we're sitting down, we're saying, hey, how's your family? What was your childhood like? Did your parents believe in God? You might learn that their parents are around, they're not around. Hey, what's your friends like? What do you guys like to do? Oh, crazy, cool, tell me, tell me more. Explain, I didn't understand that. Where do you work? I do, I don't. What do you like to do for fun? Hey, do you connect with Jesus? What does that look like for you? Dang, why are you so nosy? Why are you asking so many questions? Because I care. And if you're listening, they will notice and then the next time you connect with them, this happens at even your dentist office. When I showed up at the dentist office and they started asking me about my favorite sports team, I said, "Ah, oh, I haven't seen you in a year. Is that in the notes? They go, yeah, it is. <laughs> They're like, oh, you don't like cinnamon, you like mint too. I was like, oh, is that in the notes? And I didn't feel, I didn't feel like a, Science, you know, variable. I felt like somebody that, oh, they're genuinely trying to serve me. Because it takes us to our next cell if we're listening, then we want to learn. You could think that they're the same, but they're not. Listen, learn. So learn takes it a step further. I hear to now I want to comprehend. So I can retain. I can write it down. And then when we connect again, we're picking up from there. And you get good at this, you will become someone's best friend. When stuff hits the fan, they're going to call you. We're going to be able to disciple it in a way that is so powerful. Because I think what we all long to see is lives led for Christ and to make a difference in people's lives, which leads us to our last L, which is to lead. Just to lead. I want to call up the worship team, and we'll end in just a moment with nothing but the blood of Jesus, remembering the only way connection was possible with God, and connection is possible with me and you, is because of the blood of Jesus of Christ. And if you didn't know, at the very beginning, um, Yupa was singing nothing but the blood of Jesus in Hmong, which was so powerful, and we're going to sing that again in just a moment. We long to lead, and what does lead look like in the body of Christ? Lead does not look like this. You guys focused? Are they focused? Just trying to ask questions. They're not. Thank you. You guys aren't focused? For Are those watching or tuning in, I'm just talking to my kids on the front row. They're, they're, they're in this service and they're going to be in the kids' service next, next one. No? Are you telling us what you're going to do? I love you, Kingston. I'm trying to listen. What, what's going on? Why do you feel that way? You don't know? Let me learn about the situation. now let me lead you through serving you by being a good dad and you're going to go to Kid's Church right after this (laughs) lead doesn't always mean you're going to tell people what they want to hear it doesn't mean you're always going to be liked but it means that now you have information that you could act on behalf uh, as a representative of the extension of the body of Christ in Jesus serve people because leading is really serving it's laying down our lives what leadership looks like. The circle of life discipleship past the surface. And we'll go back and we'll end with looking at Paul how he how he led Timothy. Look at how he knew some things past the surface. He had to have loved him and he had to have listened and he had to learn and watch how he leads. First Timothy 5. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and frequent ailments. He knows he has some condition that There needs to be treatment for. And it's reminding them. Because that just isn't, it's not explicit in the text. There's so much more happening in life in the background. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. I thank God who I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did. When I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night. Look at this: remembering your tears. I long to see you that I might be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and now I am convinced is in you also, There's family. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Paul discipled past the surface, and I pray as groups kick off today that we would do the same. And the first step to even making that possible is we got to connect with people. We connect to God because of Jesus, who lived a life we couldn't, died the death we should have that every single one of us is dead in sin, needing to be born again, needing someone to save us. And if we're willing to accept God's gift of grace that we can have by faith in Jesus, that he is the spotless lamb, that he will make us whiter than snow. There's nothing we can do to be good enough. And because of that grace and when we put our faith in him, we're saved, we're born again, we're forgiven, we're made new. But now we have to walk this journey out to be sanctified as disciples, to grow glory to glory. So when the storms of life come, our roots will grip in Jesus and in community, that we're better together. We say it. It's not some tagline. It's true. Because when stuff hits the fan, we need to be reminded. When our stomach hurts, we need to be reminded of the faith that might have been in our lineage or for some of us that we're breaking through for the first generation. We're breaking through generational nonsense. We need some people in our life that are going to help us get to where we got to go. And connection with God because of Jesus makes the first connection that is most important possible. And then now we have this beautiful thing called community. It's where me and you, we get together. We want to grow as disciples. If you can be a part of a group, if one fits your schedule, we highly encourage you to get in one. Open Gym will kick off today at 3 p.m. If you got a jumper, come on and come. I think it's for ages 16 and over. If you don't, you could keep score if you really wanna come or just jump in a group this week. I'm gonna be in a couple. We're looking forward to it. And then groups are gonna lead right into a midweek service of connection called Unite. So that November, we're thanking God for community. We're thanking God for each other. And we're going to do worship, teaching, and fellowship. You're going to keep hearing about it over and over and over. Because we want to be a people that connect past the surface for deep discipleship, the circle of life. If you're here today and your circle of life is maybe hard or heavy, that you have some situation going on in your family, with your friends, or you need freedom from sin in any area, that you just need the blood of Jesus Christ, will you raise your hand and I can know who I'm gonna pray for? You have something going on in your circle of life. Yeah, it's okay, nothing but the blood of Jesus today. God, you see these hands, you see their lives. God, we ask by the power of heaven that whatever's going on in their circle of life, that the blood of Jesus would be more than enough. That you don't want to just move on, but you want to move in. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would reframe, reshape, heal, and bring wholeness like only you can. In Jesus' name. We pray during this song that there would be healing as we receive. There's nothing we could do, but everything that God has already done through Jesus. to moment just a moment we're gonna sing with just the voices what can make me white as snow nothing but the blood of Jesus and here's the invitation in your heart I'm not gonna invite you on stage to come up here and confess all your sins and what's going on in your life but if you're open and vulnerable with God God here's where I'm at bring it into light he already sees it anyway darkness doesn't have the same power that even in this moment addictions could be broken appetites could be changed our affection could be connected with god or maybe we're asking where god i want my whole life in harmony to be about you and that as we sing this it's a declaration that the blood of jesus can cast our sin away as far as the east is from the west but also to renew and transform us day by day as we're renewing our minds. And that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe in this moment as we sing that there is going to be a freedom because whom the Son set free is free indeed. Just the vocals. Nothing but the blood of Jesus.
1: And what can wash away my sin Nothing but the blood of Jesus can be make-
0: we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. God, we pray that we will be people that connect past the surface. We'll be disciples that learn what you've commanded us. We observe, we obey. And we remember you're with us always. God, as groups begin, we ask for a grace that this season be one of rich community unlike any other season. God, that our whole lives would be formed and informed by you. Teach us and lead us as you see fit. We submit and we humble ourselves before you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your bride and your body. We get to be a part of what you're doing Help lead this community in fresh freedom and wholeness like never before. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. Come on, give it up for God. Hey, the invite is to join a group and connect with God and each other. You can sign up for one in the hallway or you can sign up in the Church Center app and online. We'll see you next week, 10 a.m. and 1130. All races, all faces, and all ages, you belong here. We're going to keep loving this city one life at a time. And we won't stop until Jesus makes all things new. Have the best day of your lives. podcast loving you and loving the city one life at a time to get connected learn more and invest financially go to citylifelanson.com you belong here